0: This is the Sideline Dissonant Podcast coming to you from YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, SoundCloud, Spreaker. I'm Brad Whitaker. Follow me on Twitter at Whitaker. Charlie Strong is probably going to lose his job in Texas. And I think it's pretty obvious who will replace him. I'll get to that in just a minute. But first, great Monday Night Football game last night. All you could ask for. First game in Mexico in the NFL, and it was a good one. Houston Texans completely outplayed the Oakland Raiders, but somehow the Raiders were able to find a way to win that game. And it all has to do, not all of it, maybe some of it has to do with that offensive line. Oakland Raiders certainly have an underrated offensive line, but Derek Carr, if you had questions about him going into Week 11, those questions better be gone now. What he did last night, with his receivers not being able to catch a pass, it was clear, you know, there was some effect from effects from the altitude there in Mexico City. You could tell the players are huffing and puffing right from the first quarter; they were exhausted. And Derek Carr, receivers couldn't catch the ball. Field conditions weren't great, you know, it was an old stadium, but it was a great overall environment, great venue, great opening game for Mexico, and you have to say, Derek Carr is the MVP favorite after yesterday's performance. You know, Tom Brady could make up that ground before the end of the year, but I think it comes down to those two quarterbacks at this point. You can make an argument for Dak Prescott, definitely, and Ezekiel Elliott, but what Derek Carr has been able to do, not just, you know, I I know we consider MVP to be a year-by-year award. But when you're talking about who really is the most valuable player out there, nobody's turned around their franchise like Derek Carr has in Oakland. Nobody's turned around the culture like Derek Carr has in Oakland. He's clearly the MVP this far into the season. And just his division alone should be enough to sell you on that. The AFC West has the Denver Broncos, the Kansas City Chiefs, And the San Diego Chargers, the best last place team in the history of the National Football League, the San Diego Chargers. The Oakland Raiders are leading that division. Their defense is mediocre at best, although it's young and athletic. They have a strong receiving core. Mari Cooper has performed above expectations from when he was drafted, certainly. And Crabtree... Michael Crabtree, he's still 29. He's still a strong veteran in his prime. A lot of people like to think Crabtree is old. He certainly doesn't look old out there right now, and he's done a good job of getting Cooper up to speed at the receiving position, but Derek Carr really has ultimately led that offense. It's a complicated offense. They're call- he's calling audibles in the end zone. Look at the team he was up against last night. Now, Houston Texans fans were pissed going into Monday night's game, and rightfully so. They were six and three heading into Monday night; they're six and four after their loss. But everyone was saying this Houston Texans team is the worst six and three football team of all time. They've beaten up on nothing but bad football teams. But you know, if you look at the schedule, who have they beaten? Well, bad football teams. Who have they lost to? Well, they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. When they were playing well, they're not playing well now, but back when they were, they lost to the Broncos. And they lost to the Raiders. In a game where they were they completely outplayed Oakland. Brock Osweiler, you know, I I don't want to be too quick to judge on Osweiler. But I've said this time and time and again that if you're going to draft a quarterback in today's NFL, I don't care if he can throw the ball 60 yards downfield. I do not care. I don't care if it's one of the weakest quarterbacks to ever enter the NFL. He's not strong at all. What matters to me, can he throw 10, 15, 20-yard passes accurately? That's what matters to me. Can he read NFL defenses? Is he coming from a system where... Like Jared Goff did, where he had to run to the sideline every, day, every play and get the play instead of calling audibles behind center. Like Carson Wentz was ready to do on day one. We saw the differences between those two quarterbacks, and it's amazing that Jared Goff was able to get up to speed as quickly as he was able to. He didn't look horrible last Sunday, and it wasn't really his fault the Rams lost the game. But what we're seeing from Derek Carr is a quarterback that can do all of the above. He's a workhorse. He handles himself well with the media. And we saw two football teams. One that played probably above expectations and lost the game. And a team that played below expectations and won the game. And that's what what winning quarterbacks do. Dak Prescott had a terrible game earlier this season against the Philadelphia Eagles. Still won the game. Derek Carr didn't have a terrible game yesterday, but he barely got any snaps. His offense was barely on the field. Houston controlled the game the whole time. And when Carr was throwing accurate passes, his receivers were dropping him. What did Brock Osweiler have? He's got a great receiving core, an okay offensive line. That was a bonehead signing this offseason and I think it's pretty obvious and what you're seeing is head coach Bill O'Brien trying to protect his job and Brock Osweiler I don't know if he's going to save his job but what's going on in Houston they made some terrible decisions this offseason clearly and and it's clear that after the game you know Bill O'Brien used to be the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots He's been part of those team meetings where Bill Belichick told the team, alright, this is how you handle the media. You You don't give them any information they want. You say things like, we want to play well as a unit. We made some great plays out there as a unit. Keep using that word, unit. That's what Bill Belichick taught Bill O'Brien, and he brought that kind of culture to the Houston Texans. And because of it, they've had some success over these last couple of seasons. But because they haven't achieved that next step, I think a lot of it does have to do with Bill O'Brien. You saw Brock Osweiler after the game. Loss, tough loss. You know, he never looks like he's really into the game out there. Kind of similar to Aaron Rodgers. Not great body language. But Oswald stepped to the podium after the game And was kind to the media He said it was a great experience in Mexico He broke down the game nicely He didn't blame penalties You know, He had someone shining a laser pointer in his eyes On multiple plays last night He said that certainly affected my ability to throw But I'm not going to say that's what changed the game Then you have Bill O'Brien step to the podium he says, I don't want to get fined. We see how well that works out. Marshawn Lynch, I'm just here so I don't get fined. How much longer did he last in the NFL? Sure, he was great that season. Bill O'Brien, I don't want to get fined. But, but, the ref screwed this up. We have all these cameras, and we can't get these plays right. Now, it should, is there reason for Bill O'Brien to be pissed? After Monday's loss, certainly. But would Bill Belichick have done that? Would he have gone up to the podium after the refs blew a couple of calls and blamed the game on the refs? No. He, Bill Belichick probably also wouldn't have punted on fourth down with just over two minutes left. Might have been around three minutes left. He wouldn't even... <laughs> Brock Osweiler... He wouldn't put the ball in his hands at all. They had to score 20 points. Few, Just a few minutes left in the game. Fourth down. Game's on the line. Oakland's defense had been on the field the entire game. And Bill O'Brien decided to punt with a few minutes left. Do you think that has to do with Brock Osweiler? Probably. You know, Osweiler... Like I said, I want a quarterback that can throw the ball accurately 10 to 15 yards and on those short throws not make bad decisions. How many times did he clearly miss on some very pedestrian throws? Look, is Derek Carr the best talent in the NFL? No, he's not. But you can see his yearly progression, and you can see he went from losing, what, his first 10 games as a quarterback in the NFL to beating good football teams. And I'm excited to see this Oakland Raiders team. Now, I've been clear that I'm a New England Patriots fan. I've said that from day one. And... It's all about, in the AFC, which team can beat the New England Patriots, and it's going to have to come out of the AFC West. It's going to be either the Broncos, the Raiders, or the Kansas City Chiefs. But here's why I think the Oakland Raiders match up against the New England Patriots better than any other team in the AFC. Patriots, their offense has probably gotten better since they won the Super Bowl two years ago. Last year, it might have stayed about the same, maybe even taken a step back. But right now, with the addition of Martellus Bennett, with a healthy Gronk, assuming he's healthy soon, that offense is analogous to when Randy Moss was on the team. It is better than it was two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. However, that defense certainly took a step back this year, or last year, and I think they took one this year as well. That New England defense is... Not horrible, but not great. And, look, Oakland's defense is young and athletic, and they're going to keep improving. And we've seen those improvements happen this season. All they need is one good game in the AFC title game, if they do go up against the Patriots, the Raiders. Let's just assume those are the two best records in the NFL. It doesn't matter the venue. And I think these are two teams... The Raiders and the Patriots that have the culture right that it really doesn't matter where the venue is, whether that game would be in Oakland or New England. But the Patriots, they have maybe the best offense they've ever had right now. It's arguable. So they can probably match up to Denver's defense and Kansas City's defense. And neither Kansas City nor Denver have a great offense, they get by. Oakland is flip-flopped, except their defense is a lot like the Patriots. So, if those that is the matchup, the Patriots and the Raiders in the AFC Championship game, expect a shootout. That could be a great game. I think the Patriots could easily beat the Chiefs. I think they could easily beat the Broncos, certainly if they have a home game. But Oakland is a tough matchup. I'd be wary of this this Raiders team. I'd be wary of Derek Carr. You know, there's another team in the Bay Area that three years ago began blossoming, and and they're called the Golden State Warriors. Could the Oakland Raiders be the next team in the Bay Area that begins to take control of their league? Of course, the Raiders are probably going to move to Vegas, but, you know... This could be a Super Bowl contender right now, the Oakland Raiders. And the scary thing is, not just Derek Carr, the whole team is getting better every single week. If you know me, you know I'm not the biggest college football fan in the world, but I I do find it in an intriguing sport because it's, it's actually pretty easy to follow because it's a sport that revolves around great coaching. And it's clear Texas made the wrong decision at head coach with Charlie Strong. Now look, there's a lot of people arguing that Charlie Strong should have at least another year. You should give a college football head coach four years because that's how long it takes for a kid to progress through school. Four years. And it's unfair to you know just three years You it might be way too small of a sample size for a college coach to build a program. But this isn't building a program. This is the Texas Longhorns. And when you have three straight Mediocre seasons with the Texas Longhorns, there's going to be a ton of internal pressure. The Boston Red Sox, I know this is I'm a Red Sox fan as well. This is a team that if they have a bad season, if they have two bad seasons in a row, all hell breaks loose. Everyone gets fired. The Texas Longhorns in that state if they're not one of the best teams in the Big 12 every year, then yes, there's going to be a ton of pressure to fire their head coach. And Charlie Strong just hasn't gotten it done. But, I am i don't think he's going to lose his job uh, because of... I don't think Strong's going to lose his job just because of his coaching performance. I think... The stars are aligning correctly for the Texas Longhorns to make the big move to get Tom Herman from Houston. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Tom Herman, basically what he's done with Houston is what Chris Peterson did at Boise State. He took a nothing program and he built it into something incredible. And what makes Tom Herman a great coach is is isn't just his coaching style, it's that he's a great recruiter as well. Charlie Strong has been bringing in the best recruits. He's still the head coach at Texas. And unlike Chris Peterson, who jumped from Boise State to Washington and has been a success, as you've seen this year, Chris Peterson had the Pacific Northwest to recruit. Now, I'm sure there's tons of great football talent in the Pacific Northwest, jumping from Idaho to Washington State. I'm sure he recruits a lot of players from Oregon, Northern California. But Texas is a different story. If your head coach is getting the best high school players from Texas and still not winning, with arguably the premier program in college football, historically, certainly one of the most popular programs, most profitable. You're going to get canned if you can't win right away. And that should be the expectation. I'm fine with a one-year grace period at some of these big schools. That's what it took for Jim Harbaugh to build Michigan into something. That's what it took Urban Meyer to build Ohio State into something. But giving Charlie Strong a fourth season... Haven't we realized this isn't going to work? He lost to Kansas. If Tom Herman, and if these p- reports are correct, Tom Hor- Herman wants the Texas job. Look, I don't, I don't get why some of these college football programs don't pay their coaches more money. How much is Charlie Strong making? I'm going to look this up right now. Charlie Strong is currently making Okay. Terrible websites on the internet. Texas to pay Charlie Strong nine point three seven five million. Okay, that's a pretty good chunk of change. I was thinking he was he was gonna be more around three million or five million. Tom Herman's getting three million in Houston. Pay him twelve. Pay him fifteen. It makes all the sense in the world. There's, you know, Tom Herman, it sounds like he, he's the coach everybody wants this upcoming offseason in college football. Everybody wants Tom Herman. He's the hot name. Texas seems to be the obvious choice. But, you know, LSU fans, they're a bit delusional because they think they have a shot at Tom Herman. Why would Tom Herman want to go to the SEC? Why would any great coach want to go to the SEC anymore? Texas is obvious. It's so much easier to win in the Big 12 than it is to win in the SEC. so much w- easier to win the Big 12 than it is the Big 10. Pac-12 is pretty easy as well. You know, we saw USC when they were going against non-conference opponents. They started the season 0-3. What's happened now that they're in their conference schedule... They're winning every game. The way college football is set up is silly, and in some, of, in one of my past podcasts, I talk about why it shouldn't just be an 18 team playoff; it should be a sixteen playoff, sixteen-team playoff. Pay Tom Herman, then you have a great coach going forward with a recruiting advantage. If he can recruit at the University of Houston. Imagine what he can do at the University of Texas. He gets to stay in the state. He gets to deal with the same recruits. He's not going to the other side of the country. Why would Tom Herman go to LSU? I mean, he'd be able to recruit some players from Texas. But why don't just go to Texas? So it would be idiotic at this point to make the loyalty move of keeping Charlie Strong For a fourth season. Just doesn't make any sense. If there weren't. If Tom Herman weren't coming up. If he weren't the hot. Free agent coach. Heading into the offseason. That would be one thing. But Herman fits perfectly. Into Texas' system. You can't have three mediocre seasons. At the University of Texas. The fans won't take it. The athletic department won't take it. That is a program that makes a lot of money. And they make a lot of money when they're losing, too. But nobody wants a losing culture in Texas. And if you're playing in the Big 12, you better win. Alright, that's it for today's podcast. It was a little short. I'm trying to figure out how to get my video working again. Uh, it's a bit complicated. It's kind of like, hooking up a mac and a pc together at the same time but hopefully i'll have that figured out at some point this week if not maybe next week uh but yeah i'll be back tomorrow for more sideline dissident podcast until then enjoy